0: and welcome to pod return to the waking sands we are a final fantasy 14 companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of hydaelyn and beyond my name is jen and i'm joined by my co-host and researcher
1: i'm levi
0: hello levi
1: nice to see you jen nice
0: to see you obviously
1: less nice to do this chunk of content though As we're in for a a sylph time today.
0: We meet the sylphs and we've got to deal with their stuff.
1: But before that, Jen, what happened last time?
0: Last time we were approached by all three of the representatives from the three grand companies to be like, join our thing. You're amazing! Oh my god! But before we chose, we had to go around to the three main city states and listen to the uh, the remembrance speeches from um their respective leaders. Uh, we met Alfino and Alize, who would well Alfino would kind of summarize the trials and tribulations that each city state was experiencing at the moment and why our help would benefit them the most. There was a, a downed uh, airship. And we had to go uh, fight off some Imperial soldiers. And that's where we met Biggs and Wedge, some um, Garland Ironworks engineers.
1: So after all that business, we get a call on our brand new link shell being asked to pray return to the Waking Sands. Oh, my
0: God. He said it. Ah, you said <laughs> it. He said thing.
1: <laughs> so we head back there and we are going to go and report to Minfilia. However... If you decide to detour into the storage slash gathering room before you go into the solar, there are a lot more people there now.
0: Oh, I thought about stopping by, but I didn't.
1: Right now you can find Brennan, who is one of the Merchant Brothers.
0: Oh, yeah. 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 I saw him last time I was in there and I'm like, I know you. <laughs>
1: yeah. He's looking for his other brothers right now.
0: That's so great. My fucking triplets.
1: And Leah Vin has made her way here. She is one of Edda's party. She's the archer.
0: Oh, shit. Wow. Okay.
1: And there's also a weird character here. It's a robe-wearing Mikote named Una Tayun. She's hanging out with two other adventurers, and she makes a strange comment, if you talk to her, about not being able to remember the fourth member of their party. This sounded a lot like the 1.0 Warriors of Light yeah. that got that were forgotten in the Calamity. So I looked it up and it turns out she was a member of the Path of the Twelve back in the old Final Fantasy fourteen days.
0: Whoa. Wow. Also, we have been, I, I mean, moving on up in the world, right? Like part of like the, the shittiest band of adventurers ever. And then now she's a scion.
1: Kind of. If you talk to her, she's like, you know, it must be nice to be in you. No one's ever expected much of me. So I don't disappoint anyone.
0: Uh, it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs>
1: Ugh. <laughs> we head to the solar and meet with Minfilia and the other ranking Scions.
0: Yeah, so everybody's here.
1: Before Minfilia starts to brief us about the, um, the next adventure, she wants us to meet a couple people, or officially meet them, and in come Biggs and Wedge again into the solar. This is the Rogadin and Lalafell Ironworks duo. And they're here to entrust the knowledge of airship technology to the Scions who are an ostensibly neutral party. So they're going to make sure that no one city-state hoards this technology, and someone who weighs all political parties equally is the keeper of this information.
0: Mm -hmm. Makes sense.
1: And then they leave. That's that. But before we move on, though, to sylph time, a couple of bios on this pair, since we've now been introduced for real. Yeah, These guys have a very similar arc together. Uh, They're both from imperial provinces in Ilsebard, right near the Garlean home territory. However, they were both born to poorer families, and they were not citizens, Um, so they had to deal with the hardship of being Garlean outsiders. You can become a citizen in Garlemald by joining the military and serving in the military for enough time, but both these characters were drafted, so they joined involuntarily. They, they came into the fold separately, but they met during their time um, in service, and they hatched a plot together to desert. Nice. So they rigged a set of Magitek armor to explode, and in the chaos, they escaped. Ultimately, they fled to Eorzea, where they met Sid Garland, who gave them employment with the Ironworks. Well, there's are simpatico
0: that's... in the fact that they both, or all of them, escaped Gollumold.
1: Yep. Incidentally, the name Biggs and Wedge are aliases given to protect them and their families.
0: Mm. Wow.
1: Their families back in.
0: Oh, oh, sure, sure, yeah.
1: These two are bachelors, Jen. Don't worry.
0: Well, they're you still know, eligible. Wedge, you yeah, know, Wedge is working on it. He's a simp for a Tataru.
1: <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> simp is the word of the day for Jen.
0: Levi just learned it today. It's I amazing. knew. What,
1: I knew what simp meant, Jen. I didn't. I never heard the term that you used. Which is simp bait?
0: That that may have been freshly coined. I don't know.
1: There's a way to find out. Yeah, it's a
0: world first. Here,
1: I'll <laughs> let you. I'll let you search for that, Jim. That could be in your <laughs> the history. Combo of
0: those two words.
1: <laughs> anyway, um, after that introduction, we're on to real business.
0: Uh, and we have some. We have some news. Menchelia um, was expecting some documents from the students of Beldazian. A group that we have never heard of before. So they just they just throw out the proper noun. We don't know who they are. Obviously, a, a scholarly organization of some kind.
1: They're from Charlayan. right? For our reference.
0: So Uri and J. Um, produces the documents, and what it is is um, the results of a study that was ordered by the uh, the Twin Adders to look at one of the uh, the uh, the tribes in. Uh, the shroud. So they can just keep, uh, keep tabs on the Sils, um, their, you know, their general mood, how they're doing, um, their opinion of their tempered neighbors, their opinion of their primal. Is there any threat of them summoning him? So the, re- the report basically says they're kind of, they're kind of good, but they're kind of, kind of wary at the same time they're always you know they're always suspicious of outsiders of course but as far as tribes go they're very they're very peaceful and and, um, amenable most of the time to um there's no immediate danger we think and that's annoying right you don't know um do we need to step in and do something but we can't just leave this thread hanging there
1: the danger being the sylph primal ramu another classic final fantasy summon of course The narrative here is kind of weird because in this introduction, it sounds like they have not been trying to summon Ramu, Mm -hmm. but once we get down to it in a little bit, then there's a lot of talk about all these Ramu sylphs and like how there's two factions and so on. So this whole narrative, is a bit confused. It it sounds like they actually do want to summon Ramu, but there are of course the the tempered sylphs and the non-tempered sylphs. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know, it just the setup here about them being chill for now does not match the actual reality where the tempered sylphs are a real threat. And they're talking about their primal once we meet them in a little bit.
0: So it seems like the sylphs, the tempered sylphs, do they have a different name?
1: Yeah, they are the touched ones. The
0: touched ones. Well, yeah, I was thinking if it's not sylphs, so we've got we've got our sylphs. And then we have the tempered sylphs. We, we can call them like the Lark's Call sylphs. I don't know.
1: Anyway, though, what Gordania doesn't want, though, is a second primal in their backyard as they are already under threat from the Ixal primal, Garuda. Yeah. Who is the most savage and terrible of the known primals. Right.
0: So she's she's kind of a bigger deal. Um, but at the same time, we, we do need to do our due diligence with the Sylphs and make sure we are in communication with them.
1: And the reason that we're doing this is because we have the Echo, which can transcend the barriers of language. So we're trying to avoid a incident by miscommunicating by using our gift of communication.
0: So they can discern right away if our intentions are pure or not without using words or, or possibly fucking up the words and uh, ruining diplomatic relations forever. Yep.
1: We're, of course, joined by our local Gredania experts, Papalimo and Ida, for this mission. Once we team up, we head out to our twin adders contact in Gredania. Yulwa, yeah, that works for me. Okay. Vorsai is the twin adders serpent commander in their home base in Gridania. Right. The adders nest.
0: He reiterates what the study did pretty much is that the sylphs are, are basically peaceful. <laughs> However, friendly as they may seem, quote unquote, beastmen will be beastmen. That, that is not a, um, an, an appropriate mindset, I would say.
1: Well, also though, he follows that by saying that one option they're considering is a preemptive attack against the sylphs to make sure they don't summon Ramu.
0: Oh, that's like the number one way to get them to right? summon Ramu. Are you fucking idiot?
1: This guy seems to be lacking some, some tact here.
0: Right. Well, good thing Speaking the scions are of here. That, mm-hmm.
1: When we approach him, he's talking to himself out loud, like in the open about him going to meet a scions contact in a few minutes. And this is supposedly a secret organization. That, you know, has a secret headquarters and, a, and a, a whole network of people who they're trying to keep safe from public notice. And he's just talking about it out in the open for any fucking asshole to come by and overhear. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this guy is not a winner so far.
0: Uh, yeah, his, his opinions of Beastmen are problematic, but... Um... So the ions are here, to make sure he doesn't get involved, um, and we are to act as impartial liaisons on behalf of the adders and to determine the Sylphs' intentions, or whatever, their feelings toward the tempered Sylphs, their next-door neighbors in Lark's call. But before we go, we are encouraged to stop at the Hawthorne hut to get a little crash course in Sylphic etiquette, which is apparently a little confusing. Um, Because the Sylphs are so wary of outsiders, um, especially now that the Empire has been spotted in the Shroud, we really need to nail down that etiquette so we don't fuck this up.
1: This Crash Course is going to be more Crash than Course, though.
0: It's a little disorganized. People are trying, though. (laughs) 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 We end up talking to like six people to get some sort of cobbled together idea of what we should be doing. Um I and even then, it's not enough, but whatever. We got to start somewhere.
1: So the Hawthorne Hut is a wood cabin in the middle of the East Shroud area, like the open forest area. East Shroud also has a bramble patch to the north that's full of trants and boars and bats. And then there's a huge sylph wilderness to the northeast of the Hawthorne Hut.
0: Yeah, scary. It's scary out there.
1: The hut is presided over by one Rolf Hawthorne.
0: Yeah, and he doesn't look a day over twenty-seven, but apparently he is the patriarch of the entire Hawthorne family.
1: The Hawthorns are—it seems like a local clan, kind of that. Yeah. administrates the area.
0: Yeah, they they, they monitor, um, you know, the uh, the settlement there, and they also run the honey yards.
1: Well, they were known as the scourge of the mountains back in the day.
0: Oh yeah, I mean Rolf was a a, a decorated adventurer. In his day, which is why we're here to talk to him because he's he's had a lot of experience with the sylphs, especially living in this area for you know however many decades.
1: But first, though, we check in with Amelaine, who is the twin adders' contact at the Hawthorne Hut, and he says this guy over here is Rolf. He's forgotten more about sylphs than I'll ever know.
0: This is this this becomes very true.
1: Amelaine doesn't know shit about sylphs, apparently, because neither does Rolf.
0: Like it, no no no, literally, he's forgotten all of it. Yes. So when we ask him. He's like, oh, the sylphs. Let me tell you about the sylphs. Shit. You know what? I forgot. Try asking some people around town. I've been telling them my stories for years. I'm sure they remember. Like, all right, all right, dude. Here we go. We seek out three people around the settlement to give us, you know, do you know, do you know anything? Like, what is, what has Rolf been telling you all these years about the sylphs? And what we learn is one, don't underestimate them. Two don't give them food. They photosynthesize, apparently. And they are tricksters and little jerks, according to one person.
1: And if you tell them to stop, it'll just encourage them.
0: Yes. Yeah, so I'm we're getting heavy Faye vibes here. Yes. Maybe they're gremlins, you know? Don't feed them. Uh we bring the news back to Rolf and he's he does a little dance. Like, I remember the, the I remember jig doing the jig reminded him that you, you had a dance for them. When you first meet you greet them with a little dance. Um, And it is a a time-honored greeting within the sylph culture. And don't you dare show up empty-handed. You you should bring them a... I don't remember that either. Um, Go talk to my wife.
1: (laughs) So his wife, Rosa, is out in the full flower comb. This is the western section of the East Shroud. It's full of bee boxes. She tells us that Milk root would be a great gift for sylphs. This is an intoxicant for them, so it gets them drunk.
0: Yeah, it's a hallucinogen for us and, and just basically shots for them.
1: We can get a milk root from an ochu, which is a plant monster. Plant monster. She gives us some syrup to pour on a nearby tussock and out pops one. Mhm. Looks like one of those the fortune paper things with the four corners
0: oh when you do your little hands like one two three four yeah. and then you put you you point to one of the interior flaps and up and it says you're gonna marry johnny buttons
1: it's like that and then, and then and then you're gonna be
0: like oh no do it over again one two three four five oh man oh man we did that all the time
1: <laughs> anyway we, we kill it and we take the root back and return it to rolf After those errands are done, which take far longer than it sounds like here, (laughs) we take our route and head out for Little Solace, which is a kind of like a temporary camp set up outside the sylph wood. This is where the non-tempered sylphs have fled to, to escape the tempered ones.
0: Yeah, they took over their normal home, really. And Lark's call, if it weren't overwhelmed by the tempered sylphs, would just be a Gorgeous place for them to live. And it's a shame that they've had to, that they were, um, you know, chased away.
1: So we're told to seek out a sylph named Kamuxio, who has already acted as an intermediary in the past, and he's supposed to have the ear of the tribe's elder. Mm-hmm. We're also given a letter from the elder Seedseer that vouches for us and states that Cordania wishes to maintain good relations with the sylphs.
0: Yeah, so lots of lots of powerful things in our in our uh, kit right now.
1: There is a weird conflict. Um, I was, of course, doing research for this ahead of time. And the Encyclopedia Eorzea talks about how sylphs have no real form of leadership. And even though there's an elder, they can't tell other sylphs what to do. But then when we get down to it, the elder's word is law and no one will talk to us in just a minute because the elder has told them not to. So. Anyway. I mean,
0: they're really hedging their bets, aren't they? They can, they can, uh, I mean, they can ch- cherry pick their, their approach, I guess. Sure. Um, so with our. Our milk root, our missive from Kandesena, and our little dance, ready to go, we approach Komuxio.
1: In Little Solace, which is a collection of living tree houses and brightly colored tents.
0: Which, the fabric of which they weave themselves. They're very talented weavers.
1: So in this world, sylphs look like little people made from leaves. They have a pair of leafy wings and twiggy feet.
0: And they're all essentially identical and uh non-gendered
1: that's not true actually
0: i mean there there are vague allusions to what we would consider gender but
1: (laughs) um they they do have two genders one of them is asexual and one of them is reproducing so there are like the the males who will make bulbs that will hatch into future sylphs and then there are the quote females who cannot reproduce but who are good at magic Interesting. And the reason being, all the energy that they would have taken into reproduction can be retuned towards either manipulation.
0: Interesting. So they, yeah, so they just, they reproduce asexually?
1: Yeah, they drop bulbs left and right.
0: Because most of the time it is not clear just from outward appearances if they're, you know, female or male, whatever. So, and they're, they're really, really adorable. With their little leaf dresses. And so, I mean, it's like it's it looks like clothes, but it's literally just like their body. <laughs> <It's>, yeah. <laughs> um, they look, they're very fragile.
1: And because every a realm reborn beast tribe has to have a speech affectation. These ones are all about ones. This one, that one, dancing one.
0: Yeah. But it's not me. It's not you. It's it, it's a, like an adjective and cold ones. A one that isn't cold is not a one at all.
1: Watch out for those warm ones. <clears throat> this form of communication is going to break down really quickly as the speech becomes pure gibberish sometimes with all the ones that get dropped. It's
0: a... It's it's a... Yeah, it's not really easy to
1: read. No, and they have proper names. It's not, not like they are some sort of nameless alternative identity society where there's some sort of other form of self they they have their own unique identity and their mm-hmm. own name mm-hmm. so there's no reason to drop fat ones all over the place oh my god so anyway, it's just it, it's one more beast tribe that is little, hard for me to read because yeah that
0: <laughs> just a little cultural quirk yes um
1: anyway <laughs> moving on
0: so we go to meet uh Kamuxio and he dismisses us right away because we didn't immediately dance. But we fixed that.
1: He won't speak to a walking one,
0: Daddy but maybe
1: a dancing one.
0: Aha. Well, I got your little dance right here. And he's like, "Hey, that's cool." And we give him the gifts, milk root and the and the note, and he's like, "Awesome. This is very nice. Thank you." Until Ida and Papalima walk up and they're like, "Hey, they just they just walk up. There's no there's no dance. There's no gifts. It's
1: like guys, we're the envoy here. We got this covered.
0: Yeah, and Kamuksi was like, what what what's this? What's this? I, I talk to you, and then you try to weasel your friends in. Like no no no, you're all full of shit. Get away from me. We're not um, together.
1: I came here alone. I promise. Well,
0: the damage is done. I now mean, we got to start all over. uh
1: We've broken that contact point. So now we gotta go and win the hearts of the people by dancing for all the sylphs in the village.
0: Yeah. Just go around and dance at people.
1: This cheers them up a little, and we learn that for some reason their elder has told them to not talk to walking ones. Even though there are some Gordanians in the settlement already that they're cool with.
0: Right. So I think it's it's they're being overly cautious because of the Imperial soldiers, and they've seen them and their you know, destruction that they, they, they wreak on the um on the would, And so it's hard for them, obviously, as Sylphs, to discern,
1: like... I thought that too, Jen. But then the um, the text they give seems to contradict that assumption. But we'll hold that comment for when it comes up in a few minutes.
0: So the dancing trick, that was Ida's idea, to go around dancing to everybody. Um, Papalimo's idea is to do some good old adventurer helpin'. So walk around, talk to people, see what it is that uh, the Sylphs are in need of. Um, do we need to go fight some bitches? Spoilers, yes. Kamuxio uh, tells us of the "quote unquote" steel ones.
1: So w- we do the chores for them. We have to go out and kill some animals, and we have to go and pick some mushrooms for dyes for their cloth.
0: Oh yeah, I skipped over that completely. Yeah, we got to kill. We have to kill a gnat, a um, a ziz, and a pick some mushrooms.
1: Yes, and then this gets Kamuxio warmed up again to oh, us. Finally, he realizes that we the dancing one is not like the walking ones darn tootin so now he talks about the ones with bodies of steel and i'm like okay this sounds like the empire and then this is when i'm like okay so they must have a hard time telling us apart because they think that we're all you know all all
0: walking ones are the same
1: but no because then camuxio drops the empire directly by name He's like, these guys must be with the Empire. And I'm like, what the shit? If you can tell that apart, why are you being such a pain in the ass?
0: Well, you know what? Better safe than sorry, right? It's 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 like they didn't they didn't always have this relationship with the other, you know, the Grudanians. Obviously, because Grudanians didn't exist until the elementals allowed them to populate the forest. So for, you know, I'm 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 sure eons of self-existence they didn't have to even think about sharing uh sharing a forest with with people i think it's more of a like a reactionary like these guys are bad news we don't know how if they if they've infiltrated the other people the other walking ones in the area it's best to just stop talking to everybody completely like they're they're on edge right now
1: that's the charitable interpretation
0: that's the one i always give that's the it's I the know. gen it's the gen way
1: <laughs> it is the gen way Either way, though, that's the, the deal, because these guys are are bad news, and all walking ones, except for maybe the ones who are already in the camp, mm-hmm. are all bad news. Right. But now he wants us to do him a favor, um, Kamuxio. He wants us, this is the language from the actual quest, he wants us to talk to these ones and the hut walking ones to find out about the steel walking ones.
0: See? <laughs> I'm lost.
1: We talk to all the ones. <laughs> 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 we learned that this from the Sylphs that the Empire is carrying big boxes with them. The hut walking ones tell us that, yup, it's the Empire. <clears throat> um, and then we finally get shown by Kamuxio where they are because he knew all along, but he wanted to triple check.
0: Yeah, evidently. So he's like, "Are they are they hunting treasure? Uh, I mean, they're doing something. They're doing something out there." Um, but Kamuxio, yeah, marks us marks the location on the map to go check it out. I'm like, "All right." time to go look for clues
1: there are some boxes stacked like 50 feet away Ooh, spooky boxes (laughs) we poke around and get attacked by a good number of imperials maybe six or so pop out yeah it's a surprisingly big fight for just like a random spot in the forest i know but then we find a note inside the boxes we bring it back to Camuxio and get treated to a whole mess of sylph speak it's very hard to parse what's going on here but I think he's saying that someone is selling them supplies from the local area because he talks about food and rocks from food the home rocks. of these ones Yeah, that are like the home of those ones. It's, it's a lot of ones and a lot of food and rocks. Indeed, food and rocks. The intrigue, though, gets interrupted because a sylph has gone missing. We need to find one Klaxio who has wandered off alone.
0: Time for a rescue mission. He wandered off to the west. So we head off to the west um, near the Bramble Patch. And we find him in a, in just like a little carved out chunk, like literally it's nothing. He's, he's kind of out in the open, but he, he was fully prepared to make a house here. He's like, I'm living here now. Um, and I want everybody to leave me alone and especially you meddling one. So that's our new name. And he just, he just wants to be alone. God. And then he walks away and he's like, don't follow me. Like, okay. So he runs off literally. So now he's, he runs into the bramble patch. And we go back and tell Kamuxio, like, we found him, but he's, he's like...
1: I think he flies, Jen.
0: Well, yes. He walks on air. Uh, he flits, flits away into the bramble patch um, in a huff. So we, we tell Kamuxio what's going on with this guy. And he's like, well, uh, crap. No, this is... We can't leave him alone because we, we know that there are some tempered sylphs in the bramble patch. If he gets caught, he's going to get tempered or killed or something.
1: This is when we get the name Touched Ones. Right. The Touched Ones are out there.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So that's, so we we all gotta, we gotta go.
1: And then he says we can follow spools of thread to find Klaxio. Apparently he's a weaver. We just find him (laughs) in the bramble patch, like deep up in there. Hey
0: man, it's really dangerous. And again, he's just like, no, leave me alone. Ugh. And is immediately surrounded by four Touched Ones. Uh, Time for a fight. We're going we're to fight.
1: The touched ones are also bad ones.
0: I can see that. Yeah. Well, he calls I, them that. I can see how they're bad. Mm-hmm.
1: We get into an instanced fight. Ida and Papalimo roll up and we fight a handful of the purple sylphs. The purple ones are tempered mm-hmm. as opposed to the green good sylphs. Right. Partway through the fight, a morble rolls up. This is one of the the big viney plant monsters. These things are, are great. Getting hit by that bad breath and getting... Like 12 different status effects is hilarious. Seriously. Like if you get clipped by that shit, you are fucked <laughs> pretty uh-huh. much. Anyway, though, this is a milkweed morble. So like a different kind of this species that has milkweed in it or is tainted by it. I don't know. But Ida and Papalimo say, we'll hold this thing off while you kill the sylphs. We do so. We fight all of the bad ones, and then the marble just runs away.
0: Yeah, it just—it's had enough or something.
1: I don't know. Is this a weird fight? It doesn't feel like it's big enough or interesting enough to be an instance fight.
0: No, I mean because we we had a bigger fight just checking on the suspicious boxes. Yep. The marble was was extremely tanky, so it was clear that I'm like, this isn't. We're not gonna. We're not gonna kill this thing. Something else is gonna happen. That's and that's what di- what
1: happened. Ida and Papalimo got it down by ten percent for me okay, so after I kill the ads, I can add to their damage and we can make some progress here. And I was like, okay, so we we killed the trash time to fight the big thing. Mm -hmm. And then it just turns around and and pieces out. Mm -hmm. Well, okay.
0: It's just there to to be a distraction.
1: If they had done a similar trick earlier on when they had um, Ida and Popolimo in the introductory Gardenia quests, it would have been a lot better. Oh, yeah. Give them a real thing to do, you know, anyway, whatever. After we beat down and chase off all of those enemies, Kamuxio now shows up in the Bramble Patch to admonish Claxio.
0: Claxio has a a moment here, uh, a moment of vulnerability, and admits that they were just afraid, and um, they saw the sylphs, and their dealings with the Gridanians and they they were worried that the. The communication was becoming more frequent and that the sylphs were relying too heavily on the Gridanians and were, they were kind of like losing their way really as sylphs. So he was terrified of what that could possibly mean for the future and was terrified that it would make them more vulnerable to the touched ones. And he just generally, the only thing he could think to do was just run away from all of that.
1: He says that he thought we were tempering the little sylphs like Ramu did the touched sylphs because we were changing their ways.
0: Yeah, he was just really afraid and didn't know how to deal with those feelings. So, hey, you know what? Thanks for being honest. Thanks for communicating those feelings. Um, and now we can uh, we can address those concerns.
1: So that's all the Sylph business. We head back to Little Solace. We can finally talk to the Elder One. Except, wait, Kamuxio tells us that the Elder is missing.
0: <laughs> He's like, hey, remember when I told you that you could talk to the Elder? Yeah, so... The elders kind of like missing a little bit, and we don't know where they are. So you might want to ask around.
1: This kicks us back to Gradenia, <laughs> where we go and report to Serpent Commander Vorsai, and he's going to get all hands on this. Um, we need to find this elder before the tempered sylphs do.
0: Yes, this leaves them ec- extremely vulnerable. And this affects everybody in the area. Like we gotta we we gotta be on top of this. So Versailles is like, I'm gonna have some sharp eyed serpents out there on the lookout. Go to Bent Branch Meadows, get the wood in on this as well, and we do. We get we get all the people involved.
1: Go to Bent Branch, drop off a message, and then go see Booskaron. Mm-hmm the The bent branch is like a really quick drop off. Hey, sure,
0: it's just we, we go. We, we we tell the serpents, we tell the whalers, and now we're telling Buscaron.
1: Buscaron, we met during the archer quest line. He is the former lancer who now owns the tavern in um in South Shroud called Buscaron's Druthers. Mm-hmm. The dream of the retired adventurer or military oh, yeah. man is opening up your own tavern,
0: making his own mead.
1: Yep. We inquire about the missing sylph, and he says, yes, there has been a sylph lurking around. No idea if it's your sylph. Right. But you're in the area, so why don't you do some errands for me, and we'll see what happens.
0: (laughs) And that's it, folks. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, yeah, that's where we're going to cut this particular uh, series of quests off before we pursue the Elder in earnest next time.
1: This is a real bummer on the heels of the, in my opinion, fairly engaging Amalja Eastern Thanalan questline. But now it's sylph time, and what this amounts to is a bunch of being given the literal runaround, <clears throat> and then adventure-ass quests. Go pick up shit off the ground and go kill shit just because.
0: Yeah, and we, we didn't really know anything about the sylphs prior to this, so, but this the whole time In the MSQ so far, we've heard, we've heard just nothing but Amalja this and Ixal that and Kobold this and Kikirn that. And I mean, like all of the other tribes and all of the other, the the bullshit that they're doing and the fear that they instill in the locals and the fact that they're draining all of this, you know, their military power. And, and then there's the sylphs, which are adorable. I hate the music. I'm sorry. (laughs) It just it gets into your skin. It really (laughs) drives me crazy. I mean, it's very like Danny Elfman, but I mean, you can only take so much of that shit.
1: More like Danny Silfman.
0: (sighs) 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 (laughs) They're immediately like kind of annoying, but that's the expectation. Is that they they're not they're not really easy to engage with. Um,
1: Counterpoint. I know that a realm reborn and more recent content are leagues apart, but we know this can be done well. Mm-hmm. This setup. There's only one thing that resembles the story in this entire bit, which is the Claxio thing. Yeah, but he gets introduced, and it's over and done in four minutes, including the fight.
0: Yeah, and it's it's not incredibly revealing uh, about I, I guess about. Um how perhaps the sylph's culture after leaving Lark's Call has been diluted somewhat. And so there's, it, it's very much presented, you know, sylph culture is presented as this monolith. And it's, it's, it's a homogenous sort of, you know, everybody has adopted this, like the same attitude and perspective. So, so it bothers me that there's, you don't get a sense of there being like individuals here. But I mean, it's, we haven't been talking to them very long, to be fair. And, but so far, they're all of a similar mind. Um, outsiders bad, and Clexio especially. But yeah, that's the first the first time we get any sort of insight that there's trouble within the, within the ranks. We know that they're they're on edge, but that's going to hit different individuals within their within their village differently. Yeah, I just wish it was a little bit um, there was a little bit more depth there.
1: That's kind of the problem in a way. Th- this feels a lot like padding to me. We don't have any other cool story moments for you yet, but we need to give you get you through levels like 22 through 24 or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The The part two of this, which we'll do on the next MSQ episode with Buscaron, like it literally opens up with him going, I don't really know anything, but here's some errands for you to do.
0: Right. If you hang out around long enough, you'll probably find something.
1: <laughs> this tells me like the game all but says, here's some padding for you.
0: Yeah. I mean, wouldn't it be cool if they had like a little faction of, um, like sylph adventurers or sylph explorers or warriors, some other kind of um, class within the sylphs that would be in charge of scouting, um, and so they we could you know interact with them. Um, they maybe have been on patrol for the last twenty four hours or something, looking for the elder, and they can come back and report and just just some some faceting of what it is that's going on here. Because I've like they're initially, I remember thinking like, I this little village is so cute and whimsical and the sylphs are fucking adorable but they that wears off really quickly (laughs) unfortunately but yeah that's that's where we are right now with the sylphs
1: yep well this is part one of a two-part quote story Mm -hmm. coming up soon we'll be closing out this elder search and then that leads into um woo, which is the, the next dungeon
0: awesome
1: I kind of feel bad because this doesn't feel like a meaty enough segment to really talk about.
0: Well, it's either yeah, so it's it's hard for us sometimes to, to figure out where do we cut this off. So I think like this was the the the, the appropriate place to cut it off. Otherwise, we'd have to like double the time spent on it to go from here to uh, you know the dungeon essentially. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna come across these these odd little like filler segments, you know, more than once.
1: Anyway, anything else to talk about today, Jen?
0: You know why don't why don't they? they talk more or introduce more talk more about the uh the sylphs the the weaving like they're they're crafters it was it was like a throwaway line in in
1: well here's two things there there is a a beast tribe crafting thing coming up later on Mm -hmm. that'll be much later on in the realm reborn story if you do the side quests in the village there is a weaving sylph that gives you side quests it's not much to go on but there is one weaver sylph in particular that wants you to go and like collect materials and so on for for them.
0: Sure. Do they are you able to like get items, you know, that are related like like uh, you know, special sylphic barding, you know, that, that no. they make or, <laughs> or, or or curtains for your for your house or
1: they give you a couple dies as a reward. That's something. It's just essentially here's one weaving self, and they're like, I can't weave because I I'll can't go get die. my materials because there's so it's many beasts. It's scary out there. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, there. Got it in three gen. <laughs> <clears throat> so there, there's more of a nod to that if you do the side quests. And I'm doing them here because I'm hungry for detail and any sort of connections they might mm-hmm, flush out, mm-hmm. which sometimes there are tangentially, but often not. Yeah, but still, you know, I don't want to miss content, so I'm I'm doing them.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's great. You you never know what you're gonna find in the side quests, and it could be like a really interesting little line of story.
1: Yeah, like that random Red Roosterstead ecosystem.
0: Red Roosterstead,
1: the like level five to ten area in Lanosia.
0: Oh, that is ignored for the entire rest of the game. Yes. Yeah, I was gonna say the um uh, the dead Gooboo.
1: Oh yeah, that, that's cool too.
0: Yeah, I recently read a little bit. There, there, like there is some lore regarding that Gubu specifically, and it's really heartbreaking. And I don't remember what the source was on that. It could have been the subreddit. I don't know. I mean, it sounded like canon, um, or maybe it was fan fiction, but I thought it was really well done. So essentially, this Gubu after the calamity, it basically had to find a new home and was left wandering the realm for you know months and years, and eventually it finally died in Thanalan. I mean, really, really heartbreaking. Yeah, so the whole thing is just even more sad. <laughs> it's just this this lonely fucking gooboo just wandering and then the, the you know the moss and the little uh like microbiome uh, biome on its shoulders continuing to get larger and larger as it roams around trying to find a place to lay its head and
1: Well, on that sad note. Sorry. Next time we are talking about the warrior class through level 50.
0: Swing an axe and chewing gum <laughs>
1: oh my god okay that's it good night
0: <laughs> well that'll do it for this episode of pod return to the waking sands thank you so much for listening we hope you enjoyed the episode uh if you would like to get in touch with us you can you can email us at podreturn ffxiv at gmail.com or via Twitter, at podreturn. And we will see you next time.